Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. A personal hygiene question. Okay. Um, I thought you might be the right person to ask about this one. But, you know, as summer is approaching, sure. <laughs> which it isn't really, but, you know, I'm in Sydney and, you know, it starts to get warmer around August. Uh-huh. I usually start to get a bit sweatier and that's about when I get out the clippers and decide it's time to, you know, trim the back hairs a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but this year, what I, you know, instead of getting the clippers out, I thought I'd opt for the first time for some Nair. Uh, Have you ever oh, used God. this stuff? Okay. okay, 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 okay. There are going to be people listening yeah. who are like, yeah, Nair is fantastic. And I think Nair is fantastic for certain people. Mm. Personally, I think Nair smells horrific and I hate it. Yeah. Um, and I think it leaves your skin feeling really, sorry, smelling really funny the straight away when you first use it. Yeah. Um, I was with this guy once and he used Nair on his balls and I just remember thinking, that is so unappealing. And also, I imagine it would tingle and sting. So um, I personally <laughs> would probably not use Nair all over my back if I were you. I yeah. would probably go and get laser. And what's the laser? Like, I'm a bit scared of lasers, I think. Brilliant. Do they blow up the moon in all the things I've seen? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I think to myself, oh, well, you know, if in 20 years' time they figure out that actually laser hair removal was really bad for us, mm. um, I guess everybody, a lot of people I know anyway, <laughs> are probably going to be in the same boat, so it's fine. But laser hair removal is so good. People, if you're out there listening and you've had laser hair removal, totally slip into our DMs on Instagram or let us know in, in the comments. <laughs> Don't send photos, though, please. laser hair <laughs> removal experiences. Um, it's so good. I will tell you yeah. also, it is it is super liberating. You know, if you can, and ladies listening will appreciate this, if, you know, you can um, be on, you know, a um, sort of a stretcher bed in a in a white room, you know, just sort of adjacent to a food court in a local shopping centre with your legs akimbo, spread eagled, and some woman... Or a stormtrooper or something, yeah. ...laser zapping your asshole or your um, <laughs> lady bits, I think you're um, pretty much okay for anything that life's going to throw at you. <laughs> Great. And with that, here's the theme song. Yeah. 
lap roll, lap roll up. We're here for episode three <laughs> of Fruity Alexia. And who are you again? Who am I again? Yeah. I'm Alexander. And, and who um, are you? Well, I believe I'm Alex. Um, Today, and- for 20 bucks, I'll be whoever you want me to be. <laughs> you know what? I'm concerned for your safety at the moment. Why? Does the name Jack Rabbit Photography mean anything to you? No, but I'm really nervous that you're going to tell me that it should and that's <laughs> going to be really worrying. What if I was to say it was run by one of our favourite contestants who happens to have a floaty scarf and it's right near where you live? Piss off. <laughs> Are you joking? No. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> it actually well, you looks know quite good. I mean, there's, you know, there's like Billabong products, and like she does photo shoots for proper brands and stuff, you know. I think she's doing quite Look, well for herself. Do you know what? As a singer, she's a fantastic photographer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought I'd sort of just bring that up actually because, you know, just wanted to reiterate I'm in Sydney, you're in Brisbane, and we're doing this all over Zoom and it's, you know, it's quite a nice thing for us to do because, you know, we've been friends for so long and it's sort of forcing us to, you know, actually talk to each other <laughs> rather than just sending little messages. It, it, it's true. It's nice to have the excuse to see each other every week actually because, um, you know, I think... I mean, irrespective of it being lockdown or being COVID times, um, it is nice just to have an excuse to speak to somebody that you have known for so long, especially, you know, somebody that knows where all the skeletons are buried. And, of course, I refer specifically to my skeletons because you don't have any. <laughs> I've got enough for the both of us. And I'm going to be revealing them one by one every yeah, episode. Every, every episode we're, from now on, we're going to, yeah, every New episode from every now episode. we're going to reveal one skeleton per episode. <laughs> the, something I really like about podcasts actually is that it's a bit like sitting with a friend and listening to them chat, um, but there's always this sort of barrier when you can't actually remember who is who at the beginning while you're still learning um, whose oh, sure. voice is whose. So I've come up with this little rhyme that I thought I'd delight you with. And I can't wait. So it is, you're Alexander, your voice is deeper and grander, and I'm Alex Hui, who sounds like a small boy. <laughs> what do you think of it? <laughs> um, I think I think people out there have just really, now they have a, a full 360-degree picture of the type of fume that I've had to experience all these years, and yeah. they, they freely understand that you are, in a young man's body, um, just a stack of dad jokes. But I appreciate that nonetheless. Alex Huey, small boy. It almost rhymes. Anyway, I thought I was very proud of that. <laughs> yeah, you should be. Go you. Yeah. And we've sort of done a good summary of who I am because there's not much really to go on um, <laughs> over the last few episodes. But, we, you know, when was the last time you were actively an actor and what's been happening since? Back in 1842, I think, was my last yeah. gig. Actually, it was a long time ago. <laughs> when Columbus sailed the ocean. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was performing on his ship. Right. I was the um, I was the onboard um, cruise ship yeah. entertainment. No, do you know what I um I gave when I say gave up? I unintentionally forever paused um, my career in acting and entertainment. Probably about ten years ago now, when I was oh maybe a bit longer. When I was 24, I just kind of realized that, you know, you have to kind of, I guess, be able to pay the bills and pay the rent and kind of have another string to your bow. And it's great to pursue your passion. And I'm not discrediting or discounting that, but um, it's another reality when you have to pay the bills. So I always worked in retail and worked in fashion or beauty or, you know, I was one of the one of the perfume spritzers at Meyer and David Jones in Melbourne. I'd chase people oh, around with a bottle time. of yeah. yeah, chase people around with a bottle of perfume, trying to spray I them. Got so much free perfume from you that I never <laughs> used too. <laughs> I know so many people got so many good free free things from me. So much good free swag. But it was a good time, and like I did all that to 
you know, because it was pretty flexible and I could go to auditions or go to voiceovers and all that kind of thing. And, um, and that was really fun. I really loved it. And I think at just one point I kind of realized, you know, I, I really needed to get serious really. And, um, I, I did think I'd go back to it. And sometimes now actually I kind of do think about it. Um, maybe I should go back to it or maybe I should think about it again, but I don't know, I guess it gets hard. I suppose it, in a way it gets harder and harder every year to kind of realistically go, yeah, I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to give it a crack again, but I don't know. Never say never. Who knows? This could be the start of a whole new thing for Alexia. You know, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps this will be where uh, somebody goes, listen, Alexander, we need a middle-aged bearded uh, bald gay man to um, be in something. Yeah, we need someone to host the 2 a.m. FM radio <laughs> chat show. You know what? Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> All right, so a quick recap of episode three. This week, the top 25 girls are flown to Sydney for a week's intensive auditions, which is really like a boot camp, uh, vocals and dancing and lots of group work. Some of the girls, it's their first time in Sydney, their first trip to Sydney, you see them referencing the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Oh, my gosh, look over there, you know, and you see them um, look at a big poster for Fame, the musical. They're all very excited. They've got their Kodak disposable cameras hanging out the side of a van, snapping pictures left, right and centre. Oh, my gosh, look at that. Oh, we have to come back there. Um, you know, they're doing dance rehearsals with um, choreographer Anna Kiprios and they're doing some vocal coaching with Mark Williams, um, group singing. Um, in they've sort of been divided up into five-piece girl bands in in this big Sydney sort of town hall of some kind. I don't know some kind of some kind of little town hall in some Sydney suburb. I don't know. It looks grotty and grungy, somewhere like Newtown or something. And um, basically, they um, divvy everybody up and they say, "Okay, we're going to sing Don't Leave Me This Way," and uh, everyone kind of has to practice it and do a dance to it and do the harmonies to it and all that kind of thing. Um, and we do get a good look at some of the girls who go on to be in Bardo in this episode, particularly um, on day two of the audition where they cull the 25 girls down to 19. And it all comes to a crashing end for six girls whose, uh, quote, dreams have been shattered, according to the narrator. So that's pretty much episode three. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Alexia. It's pretty wild, I have to say, whenever I hear the sting or whenever yeah. I hear the theme song and I realize, gee, that sounds like me. And then I'm like, oh, wait. It is me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we haven't really discussed, but uh, I'm probably going to, you know, we're going 50-50 with whatever money we make from the uh, podcast, but, you know, except, you know, because I made the music, I'm going to skim a little bit off the top. For the <laughs> and I think it's only but, fair. Yeah, even though you have provided a vocal performance. I've in, provided the vocal <laughs> stylings. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody yeah. out there is listening, any record producers listening, if you're looking for somebody to produce a record for you, Alex is your man. If you're looking for 
somebody mm. to whisper in a very sensual gay way across the top of something, <laughs> I'm your man. And the best thing about it is, you know, if I produce it, I'll also be able to, you know, screw over the artist who's doing it and not give them any royalties. So. <laughs> As is the case here. That's fine. Proven. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We've talked about all sorts of things already. I guess we should actually start talking about this uh, episode. Probably. So what I thought was really funny is the very, very beginning of the episode, um, Michael Napthalite, you know, and Jackie O and Chris Moss, they're all kind of yeah. arriving and you see kind of the girls arriving at the airport and all that sort of stuff and, um you know, Michael Napthali looks down the barrel of the camera at one point, very, very early on, like maybe a minute and a half, two minutes into the episode, and he just says outright, I don't know that these girls have any idea what they've gotten themselves into, which is just such a strange thing to me to think like, it, and it's, yeah. said, it's said in a much more negative way than I have just retold it to you. It's yeah. really strange. He's such a negative Nancy too. Like they go to the cocktail party, which is, you know, a weird oh. thing in itself. And then, the I mean, he's, party. what's he saying? I can't remember. He's like. Yeah, he goes, he, he sort of says to them all. So, okay, so on the first night, just for those of you, if you haven't watched the episode yet, go watch it on YouTube. But, um, yeah, so the first night all the girls go to a cocktail party. It's in this weird, like, empty restaurant. It looks like they're only going to get, like, one canapé each and, like, a, a half yeah. glass of house red or house white wine. Um, and and even then they're all just drinking water, right? Yeah, they're all just drinking yeah. water really by the end of it. It looks like they're all just drinking sort of half glass wine glasses half filled yeah. with water. And Michael Knapfly kind of gets up and does a bit of a speech and he sort of says um, something to the effect of, you know, well, we're, we're all having a lot of fun, but I have to be very honest with you and say that, you know, this whole process is about finding five girls, like as if like only five of you like – it, we're only really caring about the five we find, so don't get too comfy. Don't enjoy yourself too yeah. much. It's great to have don't some fun. Don't get used to this fancy water packed. at the top of a hotel. You know? that's, that's right. <laughs> you're already going to get packed off home soon enough. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Chris Moss, there's a quick scene with him. We can't have an episode of Pop Stars without Chris Moss commenting on Cherry Weston Pierce's tongue piercing. So he um, yeah. grabs her and sort of says to her, oh, where was it? Where was it? And she sticks her tongue out and goes, oh, there, and points to where the hole was on her tongue. And he's kind of yeah. like, oh, you can't even see it. And she's like, yeah, nah, it's closed over. And you just think, <laughs> oh, that poor little girl. And meanwhile, Chris has been drinking all the alcohol that the girls aren't drinking because <laughs> they're too worried about being drunk for the auditions the next day. <laughs> it's so funny, though, watching them all because they, they've obviously gone up to this, like, party they they thought that it was some kind of like you know industry bigwig party you can see they're all they've all got extra silver eyeshadow on and they're really quite yeah. glam with their hair and they're really excited for it and they get up there and then it's just like a complete fizzer in an empty a, a huge empty restaurant with white tablecloth covered tables everywhere but nothing else on them nobody yeah. as far as the eye can see and then they get this shitty speech from Michael Nathalai a couple of them get accosted by Jackie O and Chris Moss and then Probably home to bed. Yeah, it looked pretty depressing. But actually, you know, there are some thing I've been to things like that before where you're just like, this is so it's just for the it's just for show. And if you look too closely at the edges, then you know, it's just one big, you know, media hype thing. Like I went to the opening of some Korean restaurant at the Hilton in London once, which like if I put that on paper, it sounds really fancy. But the reality of it was you know, they had like one little tiny snack for everybody um, and, you know, everyone stood around. They moved all the tables and chairs out of the way. Um, nobody knew each other so people were there talking to the one person they turned up with and they did 
like one thing that happened was they broke open this sake barrel and then everyone was told to leave and it was really boring, slightly <laughs> depressing and <laughs> I've gone to the trouble of ironing a shirt for it. So. And then the rest of the episode, as you were saying, it's like mostly in this big like church hall or town hall, mm, sorry, yeah. in you know, the inner west in Sydney somewhere and they, they're starting finally, I mean, for us talking on this podcast, we're we don't have to just keep talking about the judges being, you know, Chris Moss, Michael and Jackie O. We're getting a few new faces. Mm-hmm. So they've got this amazing choreographer in there um, who's got this very – actually, I looked her up on uh, LinkedIn. She's got an impressive CV. <laughs> she does. Um, so, she? Yeah, she was like the tour manager for Jackson Mendoza, who I can't remember who that is, but I know. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, ha- I have their, sing- their CV. <laughs> <laughs> Another one you might have is Five that she was the tour five. manager for. And, of course, the Venga Boys. Did you, oh. Have you got the hat trick? Have I that? Have I got the hat trick? <laughs> of course I have. <laughs> Amazing. And it looks like actually later on she went on to be tour manager for Bardo as well. But yeah, I'm tour, not yeah. quite sure what she's doing now. But I'm sure you know she seems like she's really good at what she does. So I just did a bit of the website stalk of her, and yeah. um, she's um, an artistic director for a whole bunch of different brands, and I think she's doing corporate stuff. And again, her little. Her, you know, humble beginnings and, well, humble beginnings to us anyways, viewers, off she's gone now to the dizzying heights of corporate superstardom. You know who else makes an appearance in this episode? Are you talking about Marsha? Yeah, yeah. Marsha, the one, <laughs> yes. the only, Marsha Hines. Exactly. And this is pre, what was she a judge on? She was a judge yeah. on Australian Idol for ages. And so, you know, this is her getting her first little taste of being, uh, you know, a judge, I guess. Yeah. It's very strange though because, you know, they – they basically sit all the girls down and somebody says to them, look, we've got an exciting surprise for you. Somebody's come to visit sort of thing. They really hype it up. Yeah. And then out walks Marsha Hines who, I mean, on the show. They're thinking it's like Sporty Spice is about to turn up, right, you know. Yeah. And then Marsha Hines walks <laughs> not out. Not that Marsha's not. Oh, Marsha Hines is great. We love Marsha Hines. But she walks out and it seems like yeah. on the episode anyway, she's there for a hot second. She sort of smiles and tells them all how exciting it is and how great they are. And then she kind of disappears again, speaks to the camera for a second and leaves. And um, it's sort of a, a little yeah. quick snippet. And I think this was like three years maybe before Australian Idol happened. I'm like, mm, Marsha Hines, kind of a big deal, probably should have had a little bit more screen time, but I don't know, maybe it was left on the cutting room floor. And then this guy, I haven't really clocked Mark Williams, who's their vocal coach. He seems he's coming in and, you know, he's he's on the piano and he's helping them, you know, lift their voices and getting them to sing harmonies and stuff like that. And, again, didn't really know who he was. Looked like he was a huge star back in the 80s, sort of like a New Zealand version of Lionel Richie. And, you know, again, this episode, just the judges... Because at the end they're sort of you know telling the contestants who who's made it and who hasn't, and the production values are still just so dodgy. Like <laughs> they're sitting right in the middle of this hall at this small school desk yes, on they those are. horrible molded plastic stackable school chairs that I think we had at high school, and you know they're making the contestants walk <laughs> from like thirty meters away in the distance on camera. <laughs> it's just like this awkward long walk up as they find out. Dump. I mean, this is the other thing about this hall. It's an absolute dump. You get a couple of scenes of like the car. Carpet, a couple of shots of like the carpet and some yeah. hallways and all the paint is kind of shitty and chipped. There's scaffolding and, and um, there's ladders in the corner. I've done, I've been in a few rehearsal rooms in my over my years and they're all exactly mm-hmm. like this. They're these old yeah, they freezing are. halls and there are these gas heaters that are like far too high up the wall that, you know, you turn them on and all the all the dancers in the room start getting burnt and ask them to be turned off. Yeah. And then you turn them off and all the people who are sitting at like the production desks are freezing and so they want it turned on and there's dust everywhere and the, you know, the 
hot water doesn't work and the toilets smell of, you know, urinal cakes and, you know, it's this glamorous <laughs> life of, you know, theatre and the arts Show that biz. I always dreamed yeah, yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah. true. And there's at by the end of the day, there's, you know, miscellaneous pages from various different people's scripts and sheets of music sort of strewn around the yeah. floor. Someone's left their hoodie behind. Yeah. Do you know the good thing about it is, and this is just a really quick sidebar, is they are all, always near really good food outlets. So <laughs> it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's actually, that one in, is actually next to Newtown Station, I think. Oh, was it really Newtown? I, that was just I a guess. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm kind of semi-familiar with it and, you know, the Performing Arts School, McDonald College is right there as well. Um, That makes sense. But plenty of good food around there. So, you know, if you're freezing in a rehearsal room, never mind because there's a good sausage roll only three metres away. (laughs) And then, we've, you know, of course, we've got our wonderful contestants. Um, Now tell us about the clip of the contestant who's holding B1 at the airport. Ah, Okay. (laughs) What a sign of the times this particular scene is. So at the very beginning of the episode, all the girls are arriving at the, at the airport and clearly they've just sent one camera crew out there to kind of greet whoever happens to be appearing or arriving at this time. There's a whole bunch of them arriving and one of the girls is holding a B1, like bananas and pyjamas B1, and she says something to the, the effect of, you know, oh, this is B1, I don't have B2 because he's gay and I don't like him. It's something like that. Yeah. I didn't know what to make of it. Like, A, the fact that she said it, and B, the fact that the producers left it left in the it edit in the of the show. show. I couldn't believe it. And it was like it. a little highlight in the highlight package at the beginning. Yeah, and it was like, <laughs> it was like this was only 21 years ago that this, yeah. and, and this was allowed to be aired. This was put in the show by the producers. They thought it was okay. They thought that nobody would be offended. They all they thought it was funny. It's absolutely gobsmacking to watch it back yeah. now. I was like, wow. And to think at that time, that was like young people's kind of sense of humor. That was what they thought. I mean, I guess it's true, but it's just like, it's pretty, pretty gross. It's pretty on the nose. Oh God. And and then there's that other one. Oh, straight after that, there's that other girl, that, that absolute desperado who accosts Katie Underwood at the airport. Oh, the one, she kind of gets Katie Underwood yeah. in a headlock basically, you know, and Katie's pretending that she, it's yeah, she grabs friend. She grabs Katie Underwood and she <laughs> looks straight down the barrel of the camera while she's kind of scruffing Katie Underwood like she's got her in a headlock. She's like, this is my best friend. This is my best friend from Adelaide. And Katie Underwood's like, whoa, Nelly, whoa. And she's just like fully committed yeah. to this, like, Katie Underwood, you are my best friend. And it's like, mm, babe, <laughs> do you already get the hint that Katie Underwood's going to be a star because I feel like maybe you do. I felt that too. It was like, yeah, she definitely like latched onto Katie going, you know, if I hang on to her, then, you know, they'll pair us together in the final group. And, you know, it does, you do get the feeling they were like friends in choir in high school and then they've parted ways. Well, friends, I don't know now if that's a strong word. Friends in inverted commas. And, you know, Katie Underwood's kind of, she's got this amazing politician's face on where she's like smiling, kind of like, yeah, yeah, like through her smile. Like she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's so awkward. Put me down, please. Yeah. yeah, it's so strange. But I mean, go her. And then there's this old guy sort of chatting up a couple of the contestants. You, yeah, <laughs> you mean Barry Crocker. Australian entertainment yeah. legend Barry Crocker. For those of you who don't know, go Google Barry yeah. Crocker. Although I suspect there's probably not much on Google about Barry Crocker, which is a shame. Um, and I love that. Um, Sophie, he's sort of chatting up Sophie and talking about his daughter and talking about some whatever sort of, you know, mundane stuff. And then he kind of walks off and says good luck and, and walks off. And then obviously the producer or the cameraman yeah. kind of goes, you know who that is? And she's like, yeah, no, I don't. And he's like, Barry Crocker. She's like, oh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. But in fairness, it's not like it's Bono or, you know, Prince Charles or Daryl Summers or someone like that. It was <laughs> like... <laughs> that, that, it was sorry, like, that was such an unexpected Barry. laugh when you <laughs> threw out Bono, Prince Charles and Daryl Summers that that would have been such a pop in the microphone that that's going to be really hard for you to edit out later on. But if you're going I'll to throw Daryl Summers I'll leave it in, in just for the listeners. I'm yeah. going to need... <laughs> More of a well, lest we forget, this was 1999. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Barry Crocker, I, like I didn't really know who he was either. In fairness to Sophie, you know, I'd sort of pieced together that he was Barry McKenzie sure. back in the day, and I really like he's one of those people that I really hate because you know, when I was over in the UK, people have this idea of Australians based on people like. Barry McKenzie, where they think we all go around saying, oh, pommy bastards and drinking fosters and calling women sheilas. And then, you know, Paul Hogan comes along and confirms the stereotype. And then <laughs> Steve and you know, may rest in peace, of course, perpetuates it. And this is, you know, this is the image that everyone else has of Australia. Whereas, you know, really we're just, you know, normal people just like everyone else. <laughs> well, I don't know. Are we really though? I mean, I think, well, I think maybe that's just the image that presented to the, to the rest of the world. I don't know that it's necessarily undrew for some parts of the country. Yeah. Just quietly. Maybe the bit you're in. But, may- <laughs> but I do, I think maybe we've got a better. We sip lattes around here where I am. Oh, of course. And you have avocado on toast. <laughs> anyway, where, where was I? I started talking about Paul Hogan and Steve Irwin when really we were trying to concentrate on the contestants. And, you know, I think we've already talked about Cherry, but she's, you know, I think one of our favorites at this point. Um, and they're sort of, I can't remember if it's in the narration or something like that, but they're saying, Jerry, Jerry gave up a lot to be here, including a tongue piercing. <laughs> and I sort of thought, no, she didn't. She got a flight to Sydney from, you know, wherever she was and spent three minutes in a tattoo parlor getting her bolt removed. Which, of course, <laughs> let's be honest, they yeah. only made her do that for the show. So it's not, it was, they just hyped it up because they were so thin on the ground with storylines. They made her go and get it removed in her tattoo parlor. I mean, yeah. it's all, bless them. I don't know if, like, the editors thought maybe Cherry was going to go far or something because it feels like they feature so much. You know, she's in this, the beginning of this episode, for example. You know, it's all about, you know, the narrator sort of, you know, makes reference to it being some of the girl's first time to Sydney and he even calls out Cherry as it being one of her first times, I think, away from home or, or in Sydney. Right, and there yeah, she yeah. is. She's the one that you can see with her little in Kodak instant camera hanging out of the window of a van, taking photos of things, yeah. winding the film on, taking photos. Yeah, that's it's right. It's really yeah. cute, but it's a lot. Yeah, I love that they're driving through the cross as well because... I don't know, I, d- I didn't come to Sydney till I was like you know, 18 or 19, so it was a couple of years after that. But even then the cross was a bit terrifying. <laughs> it's not exactly like the tourist spot where you take people through. Like I think that Heath Ledger movie Two Hands was all about all the crime and stuff that went down <laughs> in the cross around that time. You know? <laughs> and here's poor little Jerry with her wind-up camera, you know, taking photos <laughs> of the people slumped in the street corners. <laughs> we don't have that back in the country. Yeah, poor Cherry. And I think she does get through this episode i think she does get through this episode yeah but clearly she's so nervous yeah. like she's like should i throw up now or throw up later you know <laughs> which i really you know when they're telling her you can relate to yeah i can really relate to that feeling just that oh, i just feel so sick and i'm sure like absolutely everybody's nervous as well i think even you know the the people that we know end up getting into the band they're probably wetting themselves as well, you know, <laughs> figuratively speaking. Yeah, I mean, I think a problem. I mean, you'd be natural, right? If you weren't nervous, it would be weird. Yeah, and I don't think it's something 
performers ever really get over either. I don't no, know. I think you get better at coping with it maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know how – it's just a strange way to live, I think, where you're just spending your – I mean, you must love it, but spending your whole life just – I don't know. I think a lot of it happens backstage, standing there so nervous that you're going to puke and then <laughs> yeah, force yourself yeah. to walk out in front of an audience and do something that's actually pretty outrageous, like pretend to be someone else and say your lines or <laughs> sing a song. That you've been practicing for ages, and God, it's a wild rush. It's yeah. it's a it's a weird wild rush because you're so terrified and nervous before you actually step out on stage or you know start your audition or whatever. And then you know, so you're kind of driven, completely consumed and driven by adrenaline and, and nerves. But then when you get out, you're kind of released of it, you know, because once you're out there in front of people, it's just too late, too bad. You just got to go for it. And I think that's sort of that's the difference between people that you know pursue careers in entertainment people that don't I think and maybe some people are a bit stuck in it too because you know you've done all this you've either done a bunch of training or you've gone you know I'm going to be an actor and then um, maybe you know say five to ten years in you find out it's not for you you can't suddenly it's very hard to go back and do an accounting or psychology degree or something after that I don't know. <laughs> totally don't <Yeah>. I know it <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well, I mean gosh I was not expecting that when I was kicked out of Bardo that I was gonna have to worry about <laughs> finding a job in accounting it's the natural progression though isn't it it's pretty much yeah so we see a few of the um, the contestants that make it in. They do sort of. We do. They do start to zone in a little bit more on Tiffany Wood at this point. So they, I think, there's even this little random bit that's cut into the show that almost doesn't even make any sense. They sort of. Yes, there go, definitely is. And you know, the local Sydney girls, including Tiffany Wood, and they just have this like tiny little grab of her just walking, which doesn't really make any sense to the narrative. But my suspicion is by this point they've realised that she's going to be in the final band. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I um thought that too. I thought it's weird because they kind of go through all the girls, different girls arriving, and they don't really pinpoint anybody as such. And then they make a the narrator makes a point of you know Tiffany's kind of dragging a suitcase across the foyer, and she sort of smiles at the camera and kind of nods and all of that. And and um the narrator kind of says something like you know Sydney local Sydney girl Tiffany, including local Sydney girl Tiffany Wood. And it's this weird kind of being singled out moment. And I think you're absolutely right. I assume that by the time this was edited or put together, they were like, oh, shit, we're going to need to retrospectively add in more Tiffany content because we're going to need it because we're going to bring her in, to yep. the, in, you know, by the whatever episode it is that they need her. Yeah, quick gather every single bit of footage you have of her. Oh, we've much. only got one of her wheeling a suitcase. <laughs> That'll Chuck do. That's That'll use do. It. Let's use it. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Katie, there's a, this sweeping shot at the beginning even and it's just like two seconds, like not even that, of the whole group dancing and for some reason because like her dancing's just so sharp and on point and energetic that she's really sticks out in the group anyway, you know, that Who's X this? factor we were talking about, Katie Underwood. Oh, Katie Underwood. Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. Yeah. I don't know why they refer to her as I think the narrator says, you know, she's really surprised everybody with her dancing. Well, she had a she didn't have the strongest voice, but she she's improved at every audition, which it blows my mind. I still can't understand are these people watching the same show that we're watching? <laughs> it's like the Dorothy Gatuba is nervous, has no confidence thing. It's like Tiff it's Katie Wood has no you know, is not sorry, Katie Underwood gets better every time. It's like she actually is great every time. It's yeah. so strange. I think there's just maybe it's I think they've gone to film it and maybe there's less interesting stuff happening than they assumed. Like it's really just, you know, some people singing and dancing and there's no like, I don't know, I've 
I can't remember which reality show I was watching, maybe The Voice or something or recently, and, you know, all the contestants have this massive backstory. You know, I was born yeah, under a volcano yeah. and raised by wolves and then yeah. the guitar <laughs> yeah. case was handed to me on a crossroads at midnight sort of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, whereas there's none of that. It's sort of, you know, a bunch of sort of average Australians that have had a reasonable education, which included singing and dance classes who thought they'd yeah. you know, turn up to a new idea audition, you know. I think you're absolutely right. And it's funny because, you know, we we watch it back, obviously, having seen all of those subsequent iterations of music reality television, Idol and um, Got Talent and X Factor and The Voice and all the other different versions of music reality television programs. And, um, you know, I guess this was the precursor for all of that, really, because they really didn't have a clue what they were doing. And in a way, it's really, like we've said before, it's a documentary. It feels more like a documentary. Who else did you notice out of the band? Well, I mean, they're all, I mean, they're all there. They all turned up, which is, I guess, why they got through. <laughs> <laughs> so, so all those people that didn't turn up, you didn't see a single one of them in Bardo at the end. I mean, you can see <laughs> Belinda's there and she must have a, you know, a dance background because she's just got the, you know, that smile that's sort of plastered on your face and no matter what's happening. You can tell Belinda's done a rock of Stedford, that's for sure. Exactly, yeah. You're out of breath but you still just keep that smile going. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's a pro. You can tell she's a pro because she gets so much more camera time and they reference, you know, 24-year-old Belinda Chapel. you know, she's had a career as a model and all this other stuff. And you can tell that she's just got that, as you say, that kind of polished kind of smile and she's she's ready to go. She's on point, off she goes. And even, I don't know how long they've been rehearsing for, but say it's like eight hours of dance rehearsals or something in a day. Somehow she's managed to keep on like this makeup that she's done that looks like she's just yeah. like stepped out of an editorial shoot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like does she not yeah. sweat at all? <laughs> it's right. It's, she did her makeup just perfect. It's yeah. really, she looks great. It's so funny because she does look so much more composed than the others. Yeah, that's true. And you sort of don't really see that much of her in the first few episodes. So it's nice to actually yeah. sort of get a bit of a, you know, a feel for her personality a bit more in this one, even if it's fleeting, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, I, that's actually what I thought too watching this episode. I was thinking, you know, obviously we know who ends up in the band and, and you know, all of that. But I I was kind of watching this episode thinking, oh, it's really nice to get a bit more of each of the girls who we know get in because soon we're just going to be seeing them every episode. So we're going to get to kind of be reintroduced to these young girls who have gone on to win the competition and be in the group and have yeah. their career and all that kind of thing. Um, we get to see Sally for the first time really properly. I mean, we, we saw a snippet of her in the first episode, a snippet of her in the second episode. They weren't really very good snippets. They weren't probably the most flattering shots or, or bits of footage of her. Yeah. You know, she's only 23, but she gets a lot more camera time in this one. She's a great dancer and I think they speak to her at some point and, you know, she sort of says, she refers to it, this whole experience as being, you know, feeling like home to me and I think that's That's right, just, yeah. It's nice to get a bit more of her knowing that she goes on to be in the band as well and, you know, yeah. having seen that she's been referenced already, it's really about time. And she's got this the whole sort of sporty spice vibe down pat. I think she's really totally. pitching for that. And she's like, you know how I was saying, that long walk up to the judges' table in the hall. She's yeah, one yeah. of the people that actually doesn't look awkward while she's doing it. She's very confident. She comes, she sits down. Uh, she's sort of talking to them as if they're, you know, people and not, you know, up on this pedestal, I think. And, yeah, she's... She's just got this, you can sort of see at this point, you know, there's a confidence there that is really uh, going to make you stand out from other people, I think. Yeah, and you can see, I think you can see from that conversation between her and the judges as they're, you know, assessing her to a face, um, you can see that she's clearly really enjoyed the whole experience already anyway. You can, like, she she kind of 
bounces up to the to sit down, you know, walks that 30-kilometre 30, 30 walk and yeah. she bounces up and she sits down and they talk to her, how do you think you're going and how do you think you've gone today? And she says, you know, it feels like home to me and she's really positive and she's got great energy and, you know, you can tell that, you know, she looks great, she's very attractive, can sing, all these different things. Mm. You're kind of like, yeah, I mean, if I were them, I'd be thinking, oh, we hit the jackpot here with this one. Yeah, and actually Katie's another one who does, she does a very confident walk up to the judges and then she sort of, jumps onto the chair like it's kind of a cross between dancing and like she's talking to her basketball coach or something as well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's something just, yeah, you can really tell in the way people sort of approach the desk, I reckon. And actually Tiffany's a funny one with that because she's sort of a bit more coy. (laughs) But they let her through. She she struts up to the the desk and and they speak to her and they say, look, great, you're going to be kept on and, your voice is a little bit coarse today. Is is there a reason? And and she um she's got this croaky voice and she goes, Yeah, I drank too much champagne last <laughs> I drank six glasses of champagne last night, but don't worry, I'll I'll be I'll be good tomorrow. Yeah. And you know six means twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love the reason, like I love that she managed to find six glasses of champagne in that empty cocktail party that they all went to. She's obviously <laughs> gone out to a local bottle shop and bought something because there wasn't any of that party. Yeah. The party was in Tiffany's room that night. I yeah, think. I reckon so too. Yeah. Good on her. I would have too. <laughs> yeah. But then again, she was local girl Tiffany would remember, so she probably wasn't put up in the hotel. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She save, probably, save the money. You know, she probably, that's right. She probably just, you know, cracked open a bottle of Fruity Lexia yeah. back at her house. Oh, and um drank it <laughs> by <laughs> herself glasses of it. yeah she was just yeah, by, by herself, herself all night yeah, yeah with rage on no yeah um <laughs> i'm talking about myself now anyway <laughs> and then sophie i think they yeah they i think everyone's singing don't leave me this way aren't they and sophie yeah. does quite a good one i reckon because she's you know i think some people just sort of repeat what they've heard in the recording Whereas I do For actually sure. feel like Sophie sort of sounds a bit more individual and like she's putting her own uh, technique into it. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think Tiffany does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I think Tiffany. I think Tiffany's pretty great too. Um, with her, well, they all really are. Actually, I think you can really start seeing they are really good. And then you know, a few people don't get in. I guess so. You know, a few people rejected. It's only six, as you said earlier, which I thought was kind of like. You know, the maths of a reality Pointless. show these days. Like, get rid of heaps more. Yeah. <laughs> like chop out half of them. Yeah, exactly. Save yourself you know. some pus and pain. But yeah. again, I guess it was so not prescriptive yeah. when they went into this. It was like, oh, well, well, I guess we'll just do it like a normal audition run and we'll just see how many people we chop out the first day, how many people we chop out the second day, that kind of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. They just kind of wing it. That's and, what it feels like to me anyway. And Danielle Stearman, who I think you talked a bit about her last episode, but she's the, you know, the B1 because B2 is gay, which I don't know. Yeah, that's her. I, to me, the, the bananas were quite androgynous, so, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a whole other podcast. I don't know if I'd call a, I don't know if I'd call a banana androgynous, but anyway, <laughs> literally, you know, half of our audience is going to be like lolling at you thinking that, <laughs> <Okay>. but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, she starts crying because she goes back. She gets told by the judges um, that she's not in, and then she goes back to the room where all the other contestants are sort of sitting, and she starts crying. And someone immediately to like calm her down hands her the B one, which I thought was quite <laughs> cute. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 I think she yeah. says something like, "You know, oh, it's okay. I know that they've got a, you know, they've they're looking for a very specific thing. Is that what she says? Something like that? You know, she's pretty positive about it for a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and little did she know um, she'd go on to marry Scott Kane of 
Australian Idol oh, fame. Listen, you're an <laughs> idiot. She didn't marry Scott Kane. Firstly, Scott Kane wasn't. It's not Scott Kane of Australian Idol fame. <laughs> it's Scott Kane, winner of Series Three, pop stars fame. Oh right, yeah. And she didn't marry him. She really? didn't marry Scott Kane. No, of course she didn't marry Scott Kane. Scott Kane won, and she came second. Hang on, um, I bring to the table Exhibit A, the Wikipedia article on Scott Kane. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say? Oh, did she, she didn't really marry him? In 2002, and of course, copyright Wikipedia, maybe? In 2002, Scott Kane started dating fellow pop stars contestant Danielle Stearman. Stearman also provided her version of Superstition for the competition single and finished second in the contest. Blah, 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 blah. Kane and Stearman issued a duet album, Spiro, in 2009. In 2011, here we go, they got engaged and had a son. In 2015, they were married in Las Vegas and in 2017 had a daughter. Kane now has three children. The first was born when he was 19. Blowing my mind. (laughs) Is that true? I mean, I'm reading it. Did you you edit this Wikipedia page? I I mean, anybody could have done it. Scott Kane could have done it. (laughs) If I knew how to edit a Wikipedia page, then I would be right on it. I accidentally did it once. Did you? Your own? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. not my Should own. Just add in idiot. all your Tumblr links. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody. Um, did he really? Wow, I did not know that. I mean, go go them for getting married. I am surprised they got married. Well, I did not know that. I'm still not sure that it's true. It's on Wikipedia, so I don't know that we can 100% you know. Yeah, yeah. We need proof, you know. Believe it. We do need proof. Yeah. Daniel Stearman or Scott Kane or family or friends thereof, if you're listening, Which you definitely do let are. us know. Yeah. <laughs> Which you definitely <laughs> are. Do let us know yeah. if Wikipedia is correct. And return my calls, please. Uh, <laughs> we also have, is it Lisa O'Neill? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Can I just stop <laughs> yeah. you for a second? Sorry. <laughs> I've just had a – this is so bad. I just had a look through – I thought, okay, I'm just going to check what Alex is saying here while we're recording. Yeah. So I've just gone onto Scott Kane's Wikipedia page. So I've seen all the bits you're talking about where he talks about his wife, Danielle Stearman, was a fellow contestant yeah. on Pop Stars. <laughs> Have blah, I not blah, read blah, far blah. enough? <laughs> No, you haven't read. Just can you can you open up your phone and have a look for me? Yeah, I'm still on the just, page. Yeah. So in like the highlights bit, just under you know they've got the first um, sort of paragraph about him, and then just scroll slightly down to where it says Scott Kane again. That's got some quick facts, and then look underneath occupations and read them from top to bottom for all the <laughs> listeners out there. Okay. So from top to bottom, read them out. So Scott Kane, singer, television presenter, entertainer, and furniture polisher. <laughs> 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 Without, there's not even a citation needed there, so it must be true. <laughs> he might have put that in himself. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> not, not that there's anything wrong with manager apologies. No. It's a perfectly respectful trade, yeah. respectable trade, but I just. And I suspect I it's both our career trajectories anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't expecting it. Yep. Singer, television presenter, entertainer, furniture polisher. <laughs> And then, uh, of course, one of our other favourites of this episode uh, is oh, lovely Lisa yes. O'Neill. Um, and she's, so she's got... the girl. She's the girl that accosted um, Katie Underwood, right? Oh, is she the same one? I can never, you know, you know me. I've got no memory. So if there's a cut between shots, forget it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a lie. I lied to you. Sorry. <laughs> Louise is the yeah. girl who accosted Katie Underwood. Oh, uh, yeah. Lisa O'Neill is that very sort of 
pretty blonde girl who is very sort of of the time. You know, she's got the yeah. the blonde, the really blonde hair, the thin eyebrows, the really sort of, yeah. you know, It's that look lipstick. that was popular back then where you'd sort of comb, you know, one bit of yep. your one part of, of hair <laughs> over your eye. Yeah. Yeah, one half of your hair. Over, that's right. She yeah. was very, very of the time. Mm. That's right. So she's that. She's in the in the very beginning when she first arrives at the airport. You know, she's sort of crouching on the ground, grabbing her luggage, I think, and she sort of looks up at the camera and she goes, "Well, you know, something's going right because my baggage arrived." Then, you know, a little bit later, she's in, unpacking in a hotel and she's sort of grabbing this candle and she sort of points it at the screen. She goes, "I've got my lucky candle here." So, you know. Good, you know, got my lucky candle with me here. I don't go anywhere without it. And for, hang on, if you're going to have a lucky item, you don't want it to be something that is going to burn down in seven to nine hours, do you? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like it's a little bit of a um, ominous lucky item. Oh. Yeah, I probably oh, yeah. would. A bit of an oxymoron. I probably wouldn't. It's foreshadowing her journey in the pop stars. It <laughs> is foreshadowing her journeys, which unfortunately in this episode she snuffed does out. come to yeah. an end. She is. Her, her journey is snuffed. Hang on, and snuff sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's eliminated. <laughs> no, that doesn't sound great either. Okay. <laughs> but her journey's come to an end in this episode of Pop Stars. Yeah. And I love it when um this is one of the strange shots of the episode. Um, and you can tell how kind of early it is in like tele- reality television filming because, you know, in this case the judges are kind of sitting in a row behind their little, you know. Yeah. trestle table and she's walked in she's sitting down and the camera is behind the judges so you've kind of got their perspective looking right at her she's sort of looking at the judges who are kind of under and off to the side under the camera yeah so you can see that her eye line is looking at the judges as they're talking to her who you know clearly they're mic'd up so as the viewer we're looking at her watching them but hearing their voice and they kind of go through it and, and, you know, it starts out and I think Chris Moss says to her, oh, how do you think you went today? And, you know, do you think you, you know, do you think you did a good job today or whatever? And and she's going, yeah, 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 I think I'll only get better with time or whatever. She's sort of really positive and bubbly and she just keeps chatting away and really positively. And then he just goes, <laughs> the guy just goes, Chris Moss just goes, yeah. It is so yeah. heartbreaking. He goes, yeah. So we, and so she's smiling and nodding along the whole time. Yeah. And then Chris Moss, I think it is, just goes, you know, we're going to leave it there. We're going to say goodbye kind of thing. We're not going to take you through whatever he says. Yeah. And at the very second that he says it, her eyes look straight up and directly oh, down the barrel of the camera. such this be- beautiful moment, eyes. isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Into your heart, into your soul yeah. as the viewer at home. <laughs> and the narrator, the narrator goes, Lisa's lucky candle didn't help. <laughs> Which I just think... I can't believe they left the episode in. I can't believe they left the shot in where you know the yeah. fourth wall was broken. It's where like she something looks out of the, the office, the like the original UK <laughs> office, sort of those cringy yeah. moments where suddenly everyone's aware that there's a camera crew there, and you just have to style out this awful moment. You know, <laughs> exactly. It's just so, so strange they left yeah. it in because they've left in nothing else where their fourth wall has been broken, and then they leave this moment in. It's just fleeting. Yeah. But I rewatched it so many times because I just thought you can kind of see the joy and the optimism yeah. and the hope all just drain away from the face, and then the little bitchy jibe for the sarcastic jibe about the lucky candle not helping. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> God, it's so fucking cruel. And then my favourite bit is after, like, she goes she leaves the judging room and goes back to the sort of green room where everyone else, all the other contestants are hanging out. And 
someone hands her the B1 as if that's going to settle her down too. <laughs> as if this magic B1. Well, she didn't have a lucky candle there, clearly. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although be careful, B1, because actually if you squint, you do kind of look like a candle, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we say goodbye to our favourite Dorothy. <laughs> oh, we do. It's time to yeah. say goodbye to Dorothy Gutuba, yeah. our friend. She gave us great television for a hot second she did, on Pop Stars, yeah, and, and she was a treasure. And um, poor Dorothy, you know, she she walks out having been sort of rejected and knocked back and she walks back out to all the girls who are waiting, either having just gone in or are waiting to go in. And she just kind of goes out shaking her head and repeating over and over again, almost like a chant, I wasn't confident, I wasn't confident, you know, like I I wasn't confident. It's like this awful thing, you know, like that Mm. she just... She's been told, I don't know, I mean, maybe we are reading too much into it because we love her, but I feel like she just keeps repeating this chant to all these poor girls, I wasn't confident. Yeah. Poor thing. Yeah, the poor thing. She's been told by these judges that she's not confident and she's believing it in her heart and that's not what we want from Dorothy. (laughs) But that's all right. As we say, she's having the last laugh now working for Netflix. So she's thinking, she's sitting on her throne in Netflix office. She's thinking, fuck y'all. She's got a dartboard of Chris Morris and there's 12 (laughs) darts that she's managed to get into the moustache that are still there. (laughs) (laughs) And then the episode, I think it sort of finishes with someone looking, you know, they're standing in front of the exit and they're going, you know, it's just one knock back out of how many before you get to the top. I won't give up. And she yeah. went on to be. She did. In did she? Parts. Oh, she did go on to be someone. I think she oh, did. Oh, that's I think, good. Yeah, I think she's one of the girls that went on to be in the spoof band Pop Tarts. Oh, Do you right. remember after the show finished? I think that was because, um, you know, of, I was allowed to watch the ABC. So I think they were they were on Good News Week, if I recall. They were. Yeah, Good News Week. <laughs> yeah, with Paul McDermott. Yeah. And um, she, I think, I think, I could be wrong. I might be wrong. I've got to go ha- go for a Google before we get to that point. Yeah. But um, I think that's what she does. Yeah, right. And if she doesn't, anyway, she has a great attitude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder if she did give up. Well, we can find out. <laughs> I mean, I know that you were probably thinking, well, she must have because we don't know who she is. Yeah. But <laughs> we don't know. I was maybe trying to be polite. Given, maybe she hasn't given up yet. Yeah, exactly. 21 years later, maybe she's still going. Yeah, maybe she's doing an even better podcast than Fruity Alexia. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she is, but I doubt it because let's be honest, is there a better podcast than Fruity Alexia? What really hit me about this one was, the, you know, the first trip to Sydney, you know, because I think we've we've talked before about Hobart and, um, you know, it was not exactly the most amazing place in the world to grow up. It was a lovely place to grow up. Uh, it's beautiful and picturesque, but it's, you know, there's sort of this feeling of, you know, we're down here in Tasmania and then there's the mainland. There's this amazing place. Yeah, the mainland. Not too far north, only an hour's onset flight away <laughs> is the mainland. Mythical place. Um, and, you know, we didn't travel that much. I think, you know, as a, as a kid, we'd quite often get flown, not flown. We'd drive to Launceston uh, where the highlight is some monkeys in a, randomly in the centre of the town. There's this monkey park. They've all got hepatitis. Yeah, I think that's a rumour. I think the hepatitis thing is a rumour to put the locals off, like jumping the fence in the night and having their way with the monkeys. Oh, is it? Because there is a big sign. There's a sign on the inside of the thing saying the monkeys have hepatitis. They were a gift from some city, weren't they? They were a gift from <laughs> yeah. They were a gift from some city in Asia somewhere. Yeah, as a sister, as one of the sister programs. You know. Yeah. Can you imagine right. if you were some fabulous Asian city and mm. your sister city? <laughs> 
It was Launceston. Anywhere in the world. Could be anything, but you get Launceston. Yeah. Fuck, you'd have drawn a short straw. I know. I mean, not to bag out Launceston too much, but I do remember going there, you know, even not that long ago, and at midday, you know, the town bell would ring and all the shops would close and everyone would go home. <laughs> oh, you're such a bullshit <laughs> That's artist. That's true. They didn't go Saturday, home. They all went out to try and find their meth. Right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's very lovely now. It's changed a lot since... Uh, you know, 2019 when I was last there. <laughs> oh, did you no. go? Did you go that recently? <laughs> no, I didn't really. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, um, but you know, it's got a uni there and stuff now, and an art school. Anyway, let's move on from Launceston. But you know, going to Sydney, and my <laughs> first job was actually you know in Kings Cross. Was it your first job was in Kings Cross? It was, was it? Hey, at this little theatre called the Stables, and you know, I had a fairly beige upbringing, I suppose. And my first job, you know, at this theatre in Kings Cross was to get out the, you know, the sharps bucket and the tongs and pick up any of the used syringes that had rolled under the door overnight. <laughs> oh, joy of joy. And then the second job was to shoo away the homeless alcoholic chap who I became quite uh, friendly with, uh, but he'd sit outside where the audience would have to enter. So <laughs> I'd have to have a little chat with him and tell him to, you know, we've got people coming soon and they're going to have to walk where you're sitting. So you want to find another spot and <laughs> that was my uh, introduction to Sydney so again it's built up in these shows as this big glamorous place I think you know you're going to Sydney you're going to Sydney but really you know it's um it's just a city like any other do you think it's do you think it it's built up now as a glamorous city or do you think it was because I, think I don't it was, I, no yeah. offense to Sydney and I mean I, I realize as I say no offense to Sydney mm. I don't really think now people around the country see it as this glamorous place. No, I don't think so either. But, you know, anytime if you want to show Australia for an international audience, you have a picture of Uluru or you have a picture of the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. It's true. Yeah. It's totally true. Whereas you, you sort of moved to Melbourne, like you were, it was for your grade 11 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I moved to, I did grade 11 and grade 12 in um, Melbourne. And did you sort of have the, yeah. have the sense that you'd managed to escape out of Hobart or was it just like, oh, I've moved, I've moved house? I think it was a, a combination of a lot of things. Um, like I moved to Melbourne when I was 16, so I was quite young. And, you know, we're talking about like, I don't know, 2001, so, or something like that. Yeah, 2001. Um, and, you know, like it was still illegal to be gay until 1997 in Hobart, you know. So, I don't know, Hobart was not ever going to be a, a safe place really, I don't think, for me and hmm. um, as a teenager. And I certainly not just literally safe but figuratively safe, you know, emotionally and all that kind of thing. So I think, you know, moving to Melbourne, um, I don't know that it was a relief to be out of a small town in a, into a big town. I actually just felt decompressed maybe. Right. But yeah. I, I, noticed, I noticed that being in Melbourne was totally different experience for me because there were so many more people and it was obviously so much bigger and there was a lot more shops and a lot more cafes and a lot more, you know, it was all a, it was all, it was a lot. Um, But I felt, you know what I, this is what I feel about my 10 years in Melbourne, you know, and I always did. I feel really grateful to Melbourne. That's always how I talk about it to people. Melbourne for 10 years was my home and I feel very, very connected to the place still. And some of my closest friends, dearest, dearest friends live there still. Um, and I love going back there, but I really feel grateful to Melbourne and what it did for me and my confidence and my self-esteem and who I am today and who I've become. And, and um, you know, I really felt... I felt like there was a lot of possibility and, um, you know, a lot of future in, in, in Melbourne for me at the time. Alexia. So I think this, this week's episode was quite a good one. You know, it was nice to see, it was nice to sort of 
feel those, that excitement of, you know, moving to a big city again, I think. Um, was, and th- was there anything else? Have we missed anything that you noticed? Well, probably nothing about the actual episode itself. I really enjoyed the episode and it made me really, really excited to watch more. Yeah, like, I can't so wait. excited I to watch more. I just remember feeling, I just, I loved the show so much and I just, I'm so excited to see more of the actual girls that ultimately get in the band. But some things I did notice just upon the rewatch was, and the ability to, I guess, pause it, um, was some of the credits that I thought oh, were yeah. quite interesting at the end of it, you know, if you ever, you know, want to take a trip down memory lane, pause the credits of a reality show 20 years later and then go and research the crew um, because it's super, super strange. So you think about all the music reality television shows we know now and how many camera people are required to do multi-camera shows like The Voice or yeah. um, X Factor or Like whatever. a big studio production sort of thing. Like a yeah. big studio production. This episode of Popstars had one camera operator which is wild. Single camera is usually like something a bit more elite, isn't it? Like a uh, a feature film would be shot with a single camera, yeah. you know, whereas yeah. in this situation it just means one camera operator because that's all we could afford and <laughs> we're having to cut all the footage together from this one guy's perspective. Pretty much. Who, if we remember, went into the women's toilets in the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> and you can kind of imagine, you know, you know, there's 25 girls, there's three judges, there's a choreographer, there's the video uh, choreographer, there's the uh, musical director. So there's, you know, I don't know, 30, at least 30 people that they've got to capture. Yeah. So you can imagine with one camera operator, there's no way that all of the juicy bits of television, potential television were captured. But the other thing I noticed that was really strange was um, in the credits of the show, at the very end, they do the different um, musical credits and they actually credit... um, they mentioned Poison, which yep. goes on to be the, the debut single for Bardo. And they also credit Empty Room, which is the, the B-side song, to Poison mm. on the CD single. And Boy Is It um, a B-side. Boy Is It a B-side. Yeah. It sure is. Are you a fan of it? Um, at the time, I loved it. And I think <laughs> yeah. it was originally intended to be the debut single, I believe. Right. I might be wrong. I might be speaking at my ass and maybe we'll find out that I am in episodes to come. But I think <laughs> it was originally intended to be the debut single and then they opted for Poison and this became a B-side. I could be so wrong. But yeah. in any case, I thought it was really strange that they were already in the credits of this episode. So I presume that they've done that because perhaps they were singing them in rehearsals or practising them or whatever. And just in case they chose to use any of the footage, they've included it and then they just haven't taken it out. Yeah. I gather. I could be wrong. And one of the things that I remembered watching this one was, you know, most reality TV shows ends with the winners, whereas this one you get a whole story, like the winners are revealed halfway through the series and then you stick with what happens afterwards. Yeah, yeah. the actual, I think the actual timeline of it all is quite strange yeah. um, and, and I think by the time we finish watching this series, I think we're going to, f- I remember feeling a little bit kind of weird about the whole thing because it is quite, I think the show, my memory serves me correctly, and I haven't watched ahead like you have. I've only watched up to where we're at. So I think that the actual series ends with their release of their second single and their second music video. I think that's sort of how it ends. So oh. they've already released Poison, and there must be a couple more episodes of, of, of the series before they end. Yeah. So I, I think I think it's a bit of a weird trajectory that we go on. There's probably a whole episode on them going around and doing signings at Westfields. And <laughs> There's definitely an episode of them going around to different West, uh, Westfields, of course. There has to be. Well, you've got all this to look forward to. <laughs> we do. And I can't wait to look. I can't wait to watch it. I'm so excited. This has just been the best thing. And I think that's, 
you know, so many people have sent me text messages or, you know, um, you know, messages that have listened to the podcast already, yeah. and they're really enjoying being on the journey with us. And oh, some of them have gone and watched the episode back or the episodes back on YouTube, which is really fun. And, and um, a lot of them are saying, oh, you know, I remember, you know, when you said this, I remembered that yeah. or, and, and whatever. And, and I, it is actually quite nice to kind of feel like you're striking a chord with people and you're kind of relating with people on some of the random random things that you remember in your observations from 20 years ago. <laughs> well, I mean, luckily I haven't remembered anything. So for me, it's like watching it afresh. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think my on that note, my medication's wearing off, so we'd better move on to the end. Okay, how do we finish this off? We have an Instagram. So send us a DM, flop us a like. I think you probably meant to say flip us a like in that text or no. do you just want to hear me say flop? So just a little uh, peek behind the curtain of uh, Fruity Alexia HQ, but um, I write everything out on a teleprompter um, so we can remember a few of the points. And sometimes I just like to include things that I know Alexander won't want to say just to throw him off. <laughs> so, <laughs> like flop, So this is example. what we've hit upon here. <laughs> Flop us a like. Yeah. So we have an Instagram. Send us a DM. Flop us a like. Yeah, and make sure you follow the link in our description to our Acast support page. I mean, it's the best site on the internet, so it's worth visiting just to see that. It's our logo and <laughs> a place where you can send us some money to support. <laughs> and, yeah, shows are published every Friday and we're doing little mini-sodes as well on Tuesdays at the moment. And we haven't figured out what we're going to call those yet, have we? No, we haven't. I mean, we did have a couple of ideas. So one was dregs, I think. One was the cast-offs. Mm-hmm. For me, the cast mm-hmm. Stuff sounds a bit uh, scatological. The word scatatorial. I don't know what that means, but sure, let's uh, go. Lavatorial. It. Does that get you any closer to what it means? Toilet. Shit. Yes. Cast. Sounds a bit shit. <laughs> no. Oh, you're not. Yeah, we don't yeah. do toilet humor. No, on, we, no. Don't we don't do, do literal toilet humor. No, no we don't. That's a, well. That's why I was trying to skirt around it with big words. But you're the one who said shits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pointing the finger at you for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we need to we do need to find out what we're going to call them. We need to decide what we're going to call our mini sodes. Yeah, we're, yeah. Um, something, we're something. Will, I feel like there'll be a moment of clarity, and we'll go, yes, that's what it is. And I'm hoping it comes from one of the listeners. All right. Well, I think that's probably enough for now. Any any yeah, last I think thoughts? We're done. No. no. I have no more thoughts. No, I'm good. I think I have no more no, thoughts left I'm in me for thought, today. I'm all thought out. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, bye everybody. See you later. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.